This is the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, your cheap seat crony, your bench jockey with a beer. My name is Jeff Carr, bringing you the Reds every day. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks for downloading and listening to your only daily podcast for the Cincinnati Reds. Today, just want to talk about a few things relating to spring training. Obviously, that's what's going on right now. Is Jose Peraza ever going to make an out? I'm telling you what, dude is just on fire to begin spring training. And then also we're going to get to your voicemails in the second half of the episode. But before we get to that, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And check us out on social media at Jeff Carr and at Locked On Reds. And also the website, LockedOnReds.com. Got a lot of good content there from our team of writers. Let's dive right in. Jose Peraza probably is going to get about, I don't know, about 627 hits this year. I'm thinking he's going to bat 1,000 and, you know, maybe score a couple of runs in there as well, get a couple of steals, and maybe be up there for the MVP race, you know, maybe, you know, get a vote or two. But uh, it really seems like over the offseason, I don't know, in, you know, it's, it's like I said before. And I'm not going to go crazy with the analysis of today or of uh, Tuesday's game, which, you know, the Reds lost 4-3 to three to the Giants. But I, I still think it is pretty cool to see that Jose Peraza has now played three games and he hasn't made an out. I mean, he's batting a thousand. Can't do any better than that. Last to check, he's scored some runs. He's you know really making a case. And what I'm gonna say here is he's making a case to bat leadoff. Right? the The ideal guy, if you're looking at it, and especially with the way that they had talked about, you know, the way that C. Trent Rosecrans had talked about David Bell going by the book when it comes to building a lineup, the guy that they're probably looking at as the ideal leadoff hitter is Jesse Winker. It's hard to discount the fact, though, that last year, Jose Peraza really had a breakout season you know, okay, maybe not a breakout, almost like a half of a breakout season. You know, he still didn't have a positive OPS plus. He was right there. I think his OPS plus was 98. And that, you know, just in case you're unfamiliar, I like all the statistics and the sabermetrics. And OPS plus is a sort of all-inclusive offensive stat that takes in batting average and on-base percentage and all this stuff. And it turns it into a standardized number, whereas 100 is league average. Anything below that is below league average, and anything above that is gravy. And he, he was close to league average and I think this year that sets him up very nicely I just think that he's done a terrific job so far of 
picking up where he left off. You know, sometimes we're talking about guys starting rusty, especially in the beginning part of spring training. I mean, you know, Jesse Winker got his first game action today. He didn't get a hit or anything like that. Not going to lose sleep over that. I think he's going to be just fine. But it's been interesting to see, and it's always nice to, you know, kind of take it and run with it when it comes to Jose Peraza saying, you know, he he ain't going to make it out this year. He probably will, you know, going to go out on a limb there and say he might make an out or two this year. But it's been fun to see his beginning to spring training. And I think it's worth a look. I think it's worth a little bit of a discussion. And it may give David Bell some pause. Maybe, Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. But I could see Jose Peraza at least throwing his name into the hat legitimately to be the leadoff hitter but I think it just shows I mean if nothing else and that's you know saying that Jose Peraza would be the leadoff hitter is real hot takey and all this other stuff but I think it shows that one through eight you know some some folks say that Tucker Barnhart isn't necessarily scaring anyone in the lineup but I think he's a solid hitter nonetheless I, I just think one through eight the Reds are extremely solid. They're going to be a great offense and give this pitching staff, who is much improved, at least on paper from last year, a very good shot to win some ball games. And Jose Peraza is just sort of a microcosm of that. You know, he's not we're, – we're not saying he's going to be the best hitter on the team, but when you're looking at a guy who – probably profiles and this is not a knock on him this is just saying how good the Reds lineup is Jose Peraza looks to probably be the second worst hitter in the lineup I think you know when you're ranking guys one through eight you're not expecting Jose Peraza to be in the top three top four probably not even top six he's he's a guy that when you get production out of him from the bat it's just gonna be a cherry on top of the Sunday that already is coming from Jesse Winker and Nick Senzel and Joey Votto and those guys. And I'm, you know, obviously that's not in order of, you know, most dangerous hitters. That's just how my mind was working there. It'd be nice to see a lineup though of Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, Joey Votto, or, you know, something of that nature. Anyway, getting way ahead of myself here. We're talking about lineup stuff a little bit later on in the spring training schedule not right now I mean right now it's really hard to pick out what the lineup will be but it's nice that we're talking about these little things right this is a little thing talking about who's going to be the leadoff hitter that's kind of fun we're not talking about who's going to fill in shortstop who's going to be the everyday shortstop we know it's Peraza and he's been doing good so far this spring we're going to take a quick break and when we come back going to look at an article that was in the ringer and then also get to your voicemails you're listening to the lockdown reds podcast this is the lockdown reds podcast on a wednesday my name is jeff carr thanks so much for downloading and listening i had mentioned in the first half that there was an article in the ringer about the reds they are drawing national attention here in spring training just for what they've done in the off season and it's been fun to see obviously from our perspective but it's also cool to get you know a, a nonpartisan perspective of the Reds, uh, the moves that they've made, 
you know, sometimes it can be a little exacerbating. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy doesn't know anything about the Reds, and he's giving them a hard time, and I don't like what he's saying because he's not saying that they're going to win the World Series. Yeah, you got to be a little bit realistic here. And the, and the dude in the ringer, Michael Bauman, wrote an article, and it's titled, The Reds' Nonconformist Rebuild is One of the Baseball's Coolest Experiments. And really what he gets into, you know, it's a long article, but it's a really good read. If you haven't checked it out, go look at it. It's on the ringer. Like I said, I shared it on my fa- or on my Twitter page, and um, Mo Egger shared it through the Facebook. ESPN 1530 blog and all that good stuff. It It's a long article detailing what the Reds have done in a climate where teams are really getting a lot of flack for the way that they're treating free agency and player contracts as a whole. You know, they, they talk about in the article how Dick Williams and Nick Crawl and the Reds front office have exploited this idea of the luxury tax and really they hit on obviously the Dodgers trade because it was the Dodgers who were attempting to avoid the luxury tax threshold and by doing so they had to offload a lot of guys that maybe they had thought in their own evaluation of them that they weren't necessarily worth the money that they were making so the reds swoop in they make a deal they get rid of a dude that they've been looking to get rid of in some way for at least the last year maybe even longer than that sure they give up a couple of prospects but they get in return an immediate almost retooling of the roster you add a middle-of-the-lineup piece in Yasiel Puig. You add a great bench bat, possibly even a starting other corner outfielder in Matt Kemp. And you get a very well-needed pitcher in Alex Wood, a, a nice ground ball-inducing starting pitcher that the Reds have desperately needed for the last couple of years. And they did that all very adeptly, as he puts it, you know, kind of taking advantage of that market um, fluctuation. I couldn't think of the word. But he goes on in detail. He's like, you know, will they compete for the playoffs? Probably not. You know, this is his perspective coming from an outside point of view. He's like, you know, they, they've got the the Brewers who won the division, and they didn't seem to get much worse over the offseason. you got the Cubs who stood pat on a lot of things. They didn't add Bryce Harper like some thought they might or anything like that, but they're still a really good ball club. And then you got the Cardinals who won 88 games last year and then added Paul Goldschmidt and Andrew Miller. So it's not as if the Reds are playing in the AL Central, they're playing in the NL Central, which is probably the best division in all of baseball, at least top to bottom. And because of that, it may be a year in which, you know, they maybe go 500 and stuff like that. But as he puts it, and I love the way that he brings it all home in the last graph. You know, his, his wording and stuff, he, he talks about that. But even if they fall short of the playoffs, the Reds are more relevant and interesting now than they've been in five years. And I've been saying that this whole offseason, you know, on the podcast. You know, in an age, and he goes, you know, he goes on saying, in an age when the so-called smart, quote-unquote, teams are thinking about controlling costs years in advance 
the Reds bucked the system and made a series of savvy short-term investments to return to relevance in the course of one offseason. What the Reds did this winter represents an almost cheekily nonconformist approach to team construction in this day and age, and whatever happens to them in 2019, it'll be fascinating to see how this experiment plays out. And that's the key word for the Reds in 2019 is fascinating. They have got our attention back. I've been saying this, you know, ever since I got the podcast back on December 20 or December 21st, December 31st, is that the Reds are interesting. And that is the key. What what happened last year? You lost interest. I mean, I can go back and I can look at the statistics on the page views and all that different stuff at lockdownreds.com. It dropped off dramatically. Fell off a cliff. In July, why there was nothing, you know, nothing grabbing your attention. What what kept you in tune with what the Reds were doing after the month of July? Nothing. They were so far out of it, and they just didn't really show any sort of, you know, you know, it was, it was a lack of entertainment value there. This year is different. You've got guys on this team that are going to perform. And you've got some great assets that I think could really build a team for years to come. I think some of these one-year guys may turn into multi-year guys. I hope I'm right on that. So that was the article in The Ringer. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. Like I said, it was by Matthew Bauman. Really good article there. And then just quickly, we'll get to your voicemails. I had a couple in there for the inbox. First of all, some housekeeping on the voicemails. I had mentioned last week that our first voicemail came from Mark in Prestonburg. I was wrong in saying that. It's Burke in Prestonburg. Burke, I really apologize getting your name wrong there. Really thank you for calling in. And he called in again. He was talking about the bench. He, you know, he, he agrees that he didn't see and I agree with, you know, we, we both agree on this aspect, how the Reds are going to have a four-man bench going to opening day. He thinks it's going to be a five-man bench, kind of like I was saying with Scott Shebler, Matt Kemp, Derek Dietrich, Kirk Casale, and Jose Iglesias. And I agree with him. You know, you've, you've picked up these guys, especially in Dietrich and Iglesias here over the last couple of weeks, and you've really said to yourself, we've got a deep bench that we can rely on should stuff happen we've got good defensive replacements for the end of the game so let's use them don't keep one of them in triple a just because you want eight pitchers i think it's very key that they break camp with five guys on the bench and then secondly another we got another call from jacob and he asked what um what the start at shortstop by Kyle Farmer, what I thought of that. And I'm going to tell you, I, you know, it's nice to see that sort of thing in spring training. I don't necessarily think that Jose Iglesias is in jeopardy of losing his job as the backup shortstop. Should he be healthy, I feel like that's where he's going to be. Kyle Farmer may be the third or even fourth option at shortstop when it comes to the depth chart. But I think it shows his flexibility, and it means a lot more for him personally than it means for the Reds as a team. It shows that he is able to get out from behind the backstop, get out from first and third base, 
and really move just about anywhere they need him because let's face it when it comes to defense if you can play shortstop you can just about play anywhere that is the most defensively demanding position probably between that and center field and that's a debate for another day but very important to have a good glove and a good arm at the shortstop position and if David Bell and especially getting advice from Barry Larkin saying that they have confidence in putting Kyle Farmer out there that is a huge deal so Burke and Jacob really appreciate your voicemails definitely guys get your voicemails in gonna try and have a voicemail segment uh, not sure if I'm gonna have a specific day where I do that or you know maybe just answer them as they come we'll see what happens but definitely get that in i want to hear your points of view i want to hear your questions your rants and your hot takes all that good stuff because it's going to be an exciting season and we're not all just going to be sitting here staring at the tv there's going to be thoughts rolling through our heads i want to hear them give us a call at 513-549-0159 to the lockdown reds line and leave your thoughts with me and we'll talk about them here on the podcast but that's going to wrap us up for this wednesday edition i appreciate you downloading and listening to the podcast my name is jeff carr i'm your host for the lockdown reds podcast brought to you by the lockdown sports podcast network your team every day tomorrow's throwback thursday so we're going to dip back into reds history i'll have a player or a manager or you know who knows maybe just a story from past reds teams and something to you know learn you on this thursday episode so thanks again for tuning in we'll talk to you tomorrow on the lockdown reds podcast